Please pronounce your name correctly for me. Mm-hmm. Jan Pfeiffer. Okay. And you're from? Czech Republic, from uh, city center, from Mostecka Square, when I was born. You were born in Wenceslas Square? Uh, not really in, but uh, let's say uh, I was born on the way from south of Bohemia in the car. But in the morning, I was born in uh, Vyšehrad. Where is this? place i don't know uh porodnice how to yeah. say it okay a hospital near there yeah yeah, yeah yeah okay but my childhood and everything was in the city center interesting okay so you're pretty that's pretty rare for somebody to be of in these days yes yeah. but i was you know uh my childhood is in the 90s so in that time it was kind of more uh, uh normal to live in the city center and, and so your your background, your your family. What did your family do? Um, you know, part of what I, I find interesting about talking to other creative people is how did they become a creative person? Mm, you know, mm, did they mm. come from a family of creative people, or did mm. they come from a family of the opposite of creative people, mm, and that's why mm, you became mm. a creative person? So, like, what's the what's your family's interest in in the arts? So definitely, there is some uh, inspirative background in my family, I guess. Uh, so my father is psychiatrist. So definitely uh, to be with him in, in even some problematic moments in the hospital to see how he's taking care or how he's uh, trying to calm down somebody who's having some mental issue. Uh, even to talking about uh, what does it mean to be health in, in the mind, <laughs> what, what, uh, what this uh, health means, what does it mean to be normal actually. And so the 90s were very open for new transformation in the uh, uh, psychiatric system. And he was one of the, uh, these leaders who was trying to change the system, uh, close the huge uh, mental health hospitals and open uh, just these, you know, uh, everyday uh, centers, uh, which are not hospital at all they are just more about talking so it was also nice thinking about what does it mean the democracy in the real life also taking care of, about somebody who needs the help if, if somebody really needs the help and so on so uh, this is one side of family this uh, let's say uh, s- social taking care or thinking about the and other people sure and then uh, my mother's side is uh, their fathers and and fathers of their fathers are actually doctors so from both sides is this doctor's uh, background uh, but my mother herself is actually painter from, from academy of, of, of art but definitely this combination was very you know moving me in the position where i am now because sure uh, yeah i can see that the psychological aspect of sort of uh, investigating and thinking and trying to sort of figure out or, mm. or assist or, or, or work through kind of thing from your father and then your expressive sort of nature coming from your mother, obviously. Very interesting. Okay. And so your educational background, you ha- you went to proper training where? Actually, again, in the city center, it was just, you know... Do you ever leave, leave the city center? <laughs> Yeah, this uh, it, it came very soon uh, in my life. But on uh, the beginning, I was just really very 
looking forward to be in uh, elementary school uh, but in the first degree they recognized myself as a uh, uh, somebody who need need this special help that I'm actually uh, dyslexic Oh, okay. Okay. So I had a first degree as in a regular normal class, and then they just shift me to this special class with the with the people uh, with the child which they need this. Uh, you know, uh, they have some special needs. Sure. Yeah, my brother is similar. Yeah. I'm not sure he's actually dyslexic, but he has a, a reading yeah. difficulty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so that actually changed my life a lot because that special class was super, super bad. Uh, you know, that, uh, you know, teacher was very, she was beating me by book and it was not really about the special needs of us, but special needs, her special needs. Wow, okay. <laughs> and she was even asking my father for some pills and so on to, to calm down. So it was very... For her to calm down or for yeah, you for to Yeah, for actually. her, <laughs> So it was super hard time and I, you know, I get fed. 20, 20 kilo. I just, you know, protect myself. And I was spending the two years. It was more, more than enough for me. And then uh, my family recognized I need some, you know, big change in my life. So they uh, they moved me and they, they asked if it's possible to sign me up to Waldorf School. Waldorf, Waldorf yeah. School. Yeah. yeah. And this Waldorf School, it's kind of, you know, uh, it's kind of poem or it's very special uh, area. Which definitely for myself helped a lot, I have to tell. That uh, this stress which I had before totally disappeared. I was just feeling myself that I can really create whatever I would like to do. Teachers even telling me if you would like to uh, create whatever you can do here. So it was very uh, collective uh, experience also in bad and good uh, you know sites but I mean in the way of uh, jamming make the music make this uh, uh, you know own theater play write the book all the things happen and somehow it really uh, opened myself to myself it's, it's a very self-guided learning to yeah, process yeah, right? yeah, yeah you're doing your uh, textbooks you're just writing and doing the illustration even in I don't know math all this you know uh, you're doing yourself you observe uh, what happened in the real and then you were just recording uh, in your textbooks so somehow it's very uh, turns the mind to be open for self-education system which is never ending actually so I can see that very positively uh, of course there is so, super so much bad things in that that you don't have this number you don't get the you know uh, uh, grades or credits right uh, so somehow it's super wild so you don't have any you know root respect yes you don't, you, like you don't have that structured education yeah. that sort of fits with the standardized testing that then sort of leads you on down the standardized tested path in these days it's definitely a bit changed uh, I was there for just some talk and I saw that these uh, wild 90s were also wild in Baldur school a lot of like these uh, krishna guys and i don't know uh from uh underground they were all all they were fathers and mothers in the in the time and they were super excited that they can they can put the child in somebody something what is so uh you know free and so on so it was more 
more crazy than in these days. It's more it, it, now. It's more uh, how to say uh, linked to the structure of uh, classical education system. Yeah, yeah. See, I come from pure, straight up public schools in the United mm. States. Very standardized and organized and mm. graded and all this. So, like to me, that sounds marvelous. I wish I had that kind of an education. And I know a lot of people who have that kind of education that wish they had my education. So, grass is always greener on the other side. Definitely, it's kind of balance. And I was actually glad that I was there just for elementary school. So uh, then I uh, just because there was no any possibilities to continue. It was the beginning of the Valor School in Czech Republic, so they, they don't have any, uh, you know, high classes. Right, so right, we right. just ended and uh, I just, uh, you know, apply myself. Uh, uh, I did exams in kind of, it was private uh, art school. So I was focused myself surprisingly into classical, you know, modulating and drawing all these like academic skills I uh, did there actually. And when I entered the Academy of Fine Arts, it, it was kind of like repeating in some way the first year. So it was four years of preparing to be in our academy in some way. So, and that was also a nice experience. It was more a classical way. I mean, to, to learning more classically, but still openly because it was art school. Yeah. Right. Now here in the Czech Republic and seemingly throughout Europe, I've noticed that the nature of sort of who you study under is a very important thing, sort of this mm -hmm. lineage and this sort of a, a mentor apprentice relationship, sort of trek, you know, generation after generation of, of like teacher to student kind of relationship. It seems to be very important here. Uh, this is not something that is, I mean, it happens in the United States, but it's nowhere near as important as here. So uh, what do you think of that? Because from my perspective, from you, from I picture it as potentially it could be a bad thing mm. because if you have a mentor and you work just like your mentor, are you really growing that much? Are you really being that unique and individual if you're modeling after that mentor when you maybe you want to do something completely different than that mm. mentor? Like, so does that mentor apprentice relationship, does that really work for you? And do you think it works for others? I definitely understand the uh, teaching process of as very colorful and complicated system and if I can understand now more uh, from from above uh, and also I have to tell you that now also one of my profession is being the actually teacher right now uh, and you're you're a, what's your position exactly? my position is actually the teacher of studio classes in uh, UK University uh, I mean the Charles uh, Charles, Charles University, University. yeah but, yeah, but your uh, what's your rank? I guess you know. Do, here it's like docent, professors, like the. I'm still uh, before every single okay, so holidays. You, so you're I'm, still a teaching assistant. I'm believe. teaching assistant. Okay. I'm just finishing my PhD. So after that, I can move it to do this docent. Wait. Okay. Take a step back here. You're getting your PhD in what? I'm getting. Uh, I'm just finishing the PhD a thesis on topic of black. Black. Black as uh, the phenomenon. Okay, we'll come back to that. Sure. Put a pin in that. <laughs> All right. But wait, okay, your PhD, though, is in... Because I, it's funny, I've had this conversation with some other people about master's degrees being terminal degrees in mm -hmm. studio arts, whereas PhDs are terminal degrees in uh, you know, art history and other things like this. So w what's your... Is it studio art that you're getting a PhD in, or is it a, a, a theoretical or a, or a conceptual... Or like? What's the, what's the degree defined as? Mm -hmm. So this uh, degree is actually it's running on the 
cathedral in the pedagogic faculty. So it's actually it's 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 fine art cathedral, which is uh, focusing on the education. So my thesis will, will be halfly uh, like self art observing, uh, like arts research. And then th there will be the pedagogic part, how I actually already applied my research in the real uh, education system, the, uh, the using the topic of uh, black, how to teach it, how to talk about it. And, uh, and then there'll be the overview of all of this. Yeah. And also there'll be half of, let's say, interviews with the artists, uh, which using uh, the black consciously. Okay. I want to know more about this black as a thesis. So give us a little a little overview of what you're what sure, you're investigating. Sure. I have to tell you that when I was uh, on exchange program in New York in 2010 uh, in Cooper Union, somehow great school, it, great school, I can agree. Somehow it's opened my mind to be more closer to even the aesthetic pleasure because it was also the moment that I moved out from Czech Republic from also my my uh, you know schoolmates and somehow it made me more open just to do something visual and uh, maybe it was also this this stimulus from the school uh, uh, there and so I really uh, consciously use black as a kind of a mysterious uh, moment in each of the works and uh, I was really thinking if the black is just background or making something more visible or if the black having some uh, individual aspect, if we can understand the black as something what is telling something more than just we can understand. Because there is a lot of mystic thing, uh, which gave me also link with, you know, ordinary design and all this stuff. So in these days, uh, I did 10 interviews with the artists and I can see that they really use the black from all the sides because it's very, how to say, it's it's phenomenon which you can use for all the things. It can be, I don't know, uh, anarchistic color. It can be a, a color of spirit. It can be color of Christianity. It can be a Muslim uh, color. Uh, so it's very, it's very, very, very powerful, uh, let, let's say, thing which we can use it and we can be somehow hided by that. Or maybe just think about the, you know, uh, how the Kubrick use the black monolith in, in his movie, you know. Oh, yeah. uh, the 2001 Space Odyssey. Two, yeah, 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 2000 Space Odyssey. Yeah, so this is a lot of things which me personally very touching me. And I have to tell you that even... Uh, in my own work, I have to uh, push me back, not use it the black all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I used to use black a lot, and I always yeah. thought of it as when I used it as, as a, a, an absence of something. So, so it was the negative. I used it in a negative space type of a way. Exactly. But it was still active because it was an active thing saying there's not something here. Mm -hmm. so it was an intentional act of, mm -hmm. of negativeness. But I get where you're going. It's very interesting. And and how long? How much longer on your thesis? Actually, it's just uh, several months, but uh, in some way, uh, maybe I will prolong it one more year. They because, all do. Yeah, I have to tell you that some, somehow, also to, in the combination uh, with normal life, it's necessary to have more than four years. This is actually the, the time which I already spent as a student, as a PhD student, but it's kind of legal to have one more year. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, okay, so leading on with that, so like you say you, you have a, a wife and how many children do you have? 
or two sons. Two, right? Yeah. One is my own, and one is uh, actually uh, my wife. Right from a previous relationship. Yeah, sure. But I mean, so that I mean that's a that's an interesting pressure that gets put on uh, artists oftentimes because. Uh, as far as my background, like my position on it is like artists are very selfish people as a general whole. We're very selfish. We want our own time. We want our own space. We want to be left alone so that we can do our thing. And the the stress of a, of a family, I mean, even just a relationship, much less children, takes a huge burden, puts a huge burden onto an artist because now... You know, you can't just sort of walk away from your family and be like, ah, I just need to do my art and leave me alone. It's all about my passion. I mean, you still have to bring in substance. You still need to bring in money. You still need to do a lot of things. Um, I mean, how do you balance the need for your creative passion with the obligations of a, of a, a family? I'm actually 35 in these days. So, Wait, you're, well, you're what, 35? 35. You're only 35 years yeah. old? Yeah. Darn you. Okay. Uh, and even even that you are saying that it's not you know uh, that I'm not old uh, so much. No, I, old. I'm 45. <laughs> I thought I was 46 until just yesterday. My wife told me I was 45. <laughs> I, I gave myself an extra year. All right. So even though uh, I I think that I had uh, enough time to really do so much you know traveling and stuff. So I came in some moment that I was totally sure that. I'm ready to be actually in the family process, and so maybe if I will have the family more earlier, I will I will be more frustrated by that. When did you all? Uh, let's say three years back. Okay, so you were 32, 32 when you got married. Yeah, married. yeah, yeah. It's just it, it, it's just two years back okay. actually. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, it's, it's kind kind of recently, but uh, and. I think if if we need something, I mean, as as a creators, we we need some pressure. Uh, okay, I really need pressure. Yeah. Uh, to myself. Dead, deadlines. Deadlines. Or you, you work well under deadlines. Dead moments and just you know minutes to to create something. And even when I was in the school, I really had time just to be a student. I was really frustrating by time to really just you have a plenty on you know, one week to just create something nice. And if you have just this you know freedom of time, I was really to really stress of and I just need to you know just walk somewhere, get lost and to make something to myself to just be more uh, productive in the uh, way of thinking and to grab good idea. So in these days, uh, when I'm just walking just several meters, I'm just, you know, out of the house, I, I don't know, getting out the garbage or something like that, the ideas coming. So I really think that uh, I'm not actually uh, somehow in some cage, I can do whatever I would like to do. But the just way how, how I'm, I'm making the things, it needs kind of logistic. I mean, that you really have to prepare several hours to to do some some production or to to uh, to to do your work okay uh, but on the other hand uh, I think a uh, lot of people decided not have family and just have a career and but in the end I think they can feel that they they, they something miss it yeah they, they don't have the whole thing which uh, even my sister decided in some way that he, he, she will have an artistic career and in these days she still don't have a family and she's already 41 and uh, and somehow I can feel that it's definitely right right decision but I can see myself as this I, I really need this uh, you know 
little bit chaotic moment of you know observing growing up the new life and be with it because a lot of artists telling that the the best uh, object or sculpture they made it is their child actually <laughs> very nice okay so going back to the the point of about the the mentor apprentice thing like i mean like when in my grad school people kept telling me when i wanted to go for my graduate degree that i should find a person i wanted to study with and study under that person and that's the school i should go to regardless of the quality of the school per se because it's about that person you study with i didn't do that <laughs> i'm i'm not you know i'm not going to sit here and lie about it like oh no i didn't do it at all i ended up going to whatever school accepted me that's the one i went to because uh, i i applied to a number of schools and they didn't accept me and i really wanted to go to grad school so there you go so and that may be to my detriment though i went to a very prestigious school but i didn't have that mentor apprentice relationship that maybe i think is something that i'm lacking in my career maybe it's something that is great and beneficial. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about that? Mm -hmm. It's very, it's kind of so interesting storyline of each of us. Uh, I mean, the education process, how we, how we are educated, because all the time we have social aspect. And I think the teaching of be a tutor is a very performative moment that you are somehow yourself, but in front of your students, you become somebody else. Even already in, in that moment that you are a teacher, you are somebody else. So I believe in some true innate, even if, if, it's, uh, if it's already kind of stage, <laughs> the school is stage in some mm, way, sure. we, we are playing the roles. Uh, so and now there is certain uh, possibilities how to do this action, this stage uh, uh, performance, let's say. So going back to Waldorf School, it was very, very linked to even kind of rhythmical collective, I don't know, playing the flute or the flute or uh, just shaking the hands and see uh, you know, the eyes of your teacher. So it was kind of personalized, but in some way it was a little bit unnatural. It was really linked to this collectiveness and the rhythmical things, which are fine, but in some way it can be maybe too much, if you can understand, uh, that uh, they were really doing something very rhythmically, everyday samely. So you, you, it, it was a little bit kind of commune, but without you know pushing us to believe in some uh, religion things. It was just the rhythm of the day. Yeah? Okay. And then uh, I entered to this you know private art school and there was the teacher which was linked to the communist time. He was, let's say, kind of successful sculptor in the 70s. But he was not really doing these uh, Russian soldiers. He was doing more these naked women. So he was not really so uh, linked to the ideology of communism. Okay. But in some way, he, he did his uh, you know, job and he was linked to, the, to, to that moment, uh, to that period of Czech Republic or Czech there are Slovakia. lots of those sculptures still around sure, sure. On, on building facades throughout yeah, yeah, Prague. Yeah, yeah. There's tons of yeah, yeah, yeah. you know neoclassical mm -hmm. uh, you know nudes and specifically female nudes, but lots of nudes in general mm -hmm. uh, all around. Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I kept being sort of astounded at how often sure, I see sure. them. It's kind of big topic because it was a lot of there was even the system that when there was something you built. 
there was some percent, one percent of for, yeah. for building a budget to add some kind of art. Does that still exist here? Not anymore. Darn I mean, it. it! Actually, there is a lot of discussion if we can uh, if we can bring it back. Well, I was in the United States and I ran a um, a public sculpture program, mm-hmm. and we tried to create this one percent for the arts kind of a concept in the the place where I was, oh, really? and uh, they just wouldn't do it. But I remember always citing European and uh, you know communities saying like they have this one percent set aside and it was always one percent uh, of the building construction costs that mm-hmm. then had to be turned around and put into it and uh yeah it was a losing fight where i was mm-hmm. but i remember using europe as an example of yeah. of successfully yeah. doing this there is even a project which is running by pavel Karos, uh kind of pretty successful uh, project and he's actually searching for the stories behind uh the sculptures and the authors and yeah. so and it's kind of popular because uh, it's already you know several you know decades passed and uh, the things are still somewhere you know uh, situated but a lot of them are somehow uh, damaged or or already you know uh, destroy like too much so it, there is already some new discussion if we can uh, repair them or uh, even if it's uh, if it's linked to the uh, let's say, uh, communist period, which we don't really would like to remind a lot. But on the other hand, we can respect the, the some of the works by just the quality and the te- technical, uh, you know, uh, way how they made it. So, and he was really in love of modulating, creating the, the matter, the shaping. He even lose one of the finger just because of the, you know, clay. He was all the time just using the finger as a tool. He so lost he, a he, finger? Yeah, yeah, just, I mean... By oh, the, he rubbed his finger print off. By desmoothing. Yes, yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm like, that's a lot to lose a finger. Yeah. <laughs> no, fingerprint. Yeah, okay, so yeah just fingerprint, yeah, okay. yeah. Some kind of little bit. And it was really this old school... Uh, teaching just you know be very serious and you have to be on a time and just stand all the moment moment from the morning till the end of the day and just modulating modulating so all these four years were just about the modulating modulating observing uh you know scaling bigger s- smaller uh all these classical things but in some way i enjoyed because it was kind of drill which i uh uh, never experienced before because Waldorf school was very open and this was really kind of system of uh, observing and creating to- together so uh, and definitely he was he was showing me a lot of about the Misselbeck work and Sturza work so all these uh, sculptures which also are linked to the first republic and the the beginning of 20th century so it was also kind of getting knowledge of what we have in kind of databases in art world linked mm-hmm. to Czech Republic. And when I apply myself to uh, fine academy, it was the first moment when I really did something consciously. I would like to be a student of, of fine academy. And I did all my best for it. So it was one year preparation. I was visiting Jan Koblasa. He was actually in the time teaching and he's, he was actually standing on opposite side, also sculptor, but dissident. Yeah, he, he even emigrated from Czech Republic. So he was really in this uh, group called uh, Schmidrové. And uh, he was kind of very, uh, this strange guy who is, you know, two uh, meters high, super, super powerful guy. He was not really able to be in the regime. So he just, you know, leave the country. And after the revolution, he came back. 
And uh, he was also a uh, representative of uh, Informel in uh, sculpture field. And he was a very tough guy. You know, this, this biblical high, uh, you know, skinny uh, guy with, you know, beautiful white birds, uh, beers, beer, 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 yeah. beer. <laughs> and he was just, you know, uh, teaching me actually because he was open for meeting me time to time. And he was actually preparing me for, uh, for exams. Interesting. And he was just all the time lying down on the bed, you know, in in the in the fine art academy in the in the basement, and he was just you know observing me, like you know, <laughs> and telling me these important moments, like go to Petrine Hill and draw the trees uh-huh. just by the uh, you know grass and so uh, on. So the great was... the great luxury of being a professor exactly. in, the, in days past, <laughs> where you could just lay on a sofa and be like, go do this. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So it was really this classical moment of have somebody who is like respectful, charismatic, not really saying so much, but somehow pushing you time to time in some. But definitely it was mainly about me and about my wish and time to spend it really to create something through this informal because I was really influenced by what he does definitely this like open structure and wood and stone so somehow I, I experienced on myself this 70s and when I entered after the holidays actually he left and on his place came a new professor uh, Jaroslav Rona okay. and it was I don't know any of these anyway, names just fine. so you know and Jaroslav Rona is for several decades younger and he represents the first uh, art group after the revolution. Mm-hmm. All right. And it's uh, it's much more linked to different way of thinking. There is definitely a lot of aesthetic things which we can understand as a like private mythology. Uh, he's like, he's paid, painter and sculptor together. And uh, their group w- was really representing, they calling themselves tr- uh, Tvrdohlaví. We can translate as hard heads. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And they were also somehow linked to the postmodern. Postmodern, so, yeah. So like getting back to the classic mediums, really using the bronze and using the, oh, you know, the, okay. the, the painting, uh, you know, with all the layers, oil painting and so on. And so in his uh, way of teaching, there was a lot of practicing and a lot of observation and doing the drawing very black. Uh, you know, till you will destroy the paper. So it was really this hard-hat <laughs> system of uh, doing very strongly whatever you do and doing that with a, with a patient or with... Uh, with yeah, it's not, I was about to say the, the tearing the paper sounds like the passion. You yeah, know, passion. visceral kind yeah, of getting yeah, in yeah, there yeah. and really So I have to tell expressive. you that I, I keep that for all my days after that mm. as something what, what, what is necessary to keep it going if you already decide to do something. And of course, it can be kind of denser in some way, but you have to do it, yeah. Okay, so so in the end, the whole sort of mentor-apprentice thing, it's not the way that I perceived it, which is a sort of like a, a direct lineage. It's more of a, you find somebody who has some element that you want to hold on to. And mm. so like you took your, from your mentor this, this passion and this mm. visceralness, mm-hmm. but maybe you don't do the same subject matter or, or exactly. anything like that. So So you just find... An element that's interesting of mm-hmm. what they do, and and that's the thing you then take on to yours. So yes. then you will then pass on theoretically mm-hmm. to your next sort of apprentice. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Then I yeah. entered another class uh, which were was running by Jiří Příhoda, 
and he was even a little bit more younger generation. He was uh, mainly active in the 90s, or he's still active, but his generation is actually somehow uh, understand as a 90s generation. And it was much more about the conceptual thinking, also linked to the public space. And so I can tell it that uh, if I am looking back to my education system, it was kind of logic in that, that I was meeting the people from each of the period, and each of each of them has, has some different story and different needs to tell something. So it was really like this technique and the, the, the kind of really uh, also the way how you can be artist in this kind of system, how you can survive. Now I mentioned the Yossi Krzysztofek work. Then it was more how to survive in the independency and not be part of the system. Now I mentioned uh, Jan Koblasa. And then was the the first possibility to be free. Uh, it was Jaroslav Rona. And after that, how to link yourself after the system broke and a new system is coming. How you understand yourself as artist when you have so much uh, inspiration from uh, West uh, world mm. and you you are not really still understandable for local people. Yeah. And uh, after that, I entered also Zbigniew Libera studio. He was actually visiting uh, art uh, professor. He came from uh, Poland. Uh, Zbigniew Libera is kind of extremely in interesting guy. He's linked a lot about the political art. And he was really, really pushed me in to be independent and just do the thing which you really would like to do. Because he was on beginning when I was applying myself to his studio. He was telling me, I don't care what you do. Whatever you do, you do for yourself. I just need you to be here on time. We will do a collective open form. And we did that for a whole uh, year. And he really doesn't care at all about what we are actually doing privately as art. Yeah. Interesting. And it was a big, big, big school, actually, big experience. Okay. So now, so now you define yourself as a, a conceptual artist at this point? Is that like, what's, what kind of wording, you know, verbiage do you like to use? Cause like people keep asking me like, Oh, are you a photographer? Are you a whatever? Like everybody loves pigeonholing somebody. So sure. what's your pigeonhole? Sure. You know, it's a lot of labels which, which you can put it on yourself. I need more labels than one. Definitely we can start <laughs> with a, a conceptual label because all the time it's for me is on, very important to have some structure in what I'm thinking and what I'm creating. But more and more, I, I'm looking for some open structure. I don't uh, need it just, just so super dry concept, if you can understand. Right. I mean, which is sort of what I'm trying to get at as, as I'm going to go with this down this direction of like, what, what do you call yourself? Like conceptual art is tough. Like, I mean, I mean, you know, because there are people that go out and paint landscapes or do portraits and they're almost easy in, in a lot of ways. Don't get me wrong. I do things like that. So, you know, I'm accusing myself of this, but like producing conceptual art and then somehow finding a, a venue for it, whether it's a, an institution, a gallery, a, an alternative space or, or somebody's home is very difficult. I mean, that's a difficult path to go down. Why would you set yourself up for a difficult path like that? Maybe of my family background, as we're already talking about, and that I was needed to more to understand the things. And 
definitely was also the generation which I was in in my time when I was on, in our academy. There was a lot of talks about if we need some aesthetic things, that we needed more something, what we can send it, what we can sell it, uh, say it, uh, not sell it, and not sell it actually. Yeah, it was this, wait, this, wait, this yeah, this this poorness of of creation that you are uh, creating the things with kind of uh, your spirit, your your, your mind, mainly with your mind. And it's not, uh, you know, it's, it's even for, uh, forbidden to, to sell it or to doing something beautifully. That's what, what really happened during my uh, education time when I was in the Yeshi Prihoda uh, stu- studio. So there was a lot of, lot of talks which, which, we are, uh, which we supposed to do actually the, the something what is actually goods, what we can sell it. And if we, if we, that we maybe we are more responsible for the social aspects and we have to describe what's going on and do something what is even not so materialistically oriented or it's necessary to even have some art object yeah so uh, there was kind of time per- period when i was even very deeply in that and i was kind of frustrated i i stopped uh, believe it in art at all i was thinking that you know the people which are having the job uh, everyday job doing something with having some sense i lose a sense in art in some moment uh, also when i was in the uh, armory show uh, once and i was installing myself it was 2009 i was installing my installation there in armory and I just ask uh, if it's possible to stay a little bit longer after the closing time before the opening. Right. You're talking uh, about the New York Armory, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. New York Armory. And okay, so if you are from East, you can stay it. <laughs> so I stay installed. Uh, and when I was, you know, done, I just observed the rest of the boots. And there was, you know, all this, you know, Anish Kapoor and I don't know, uh, Christo installation. And I was just walking and all this spotlights were turned off and there was this very creepy uh, bed walls wooden walls you know uh, and i was thinking oh my god all these things are just objects just objects you know which have some mistakes or there are some you know scratches and i was really depressed i was thinking that the art doesn't exist and during the night, I really had a nightmare. And when I was coming back, you know, with this, you know, uh, label artist. <laughs> and I saw gallerist with the Rolex. I saw uh, spotlights back, you know, on, and I saw it. Okay, the art is back. So I, I understood that somehow it's very important thing. It's a social aspect, how we can, uh, how we understand the art, how we observing uh, that we need somebody who is thinking, ah, can you see this is very something. Yeah. So we need this gloriness of things, or even this social game in some way. And I was somehow back in myself, I was saying, okay, the art is here. Yeah. So uh, of course, the, 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 the material aspect of the art is of course necessary we need the paper we need the canvas we need all this stuff uh, and we need a create a creation something what is beautiful but it's still be creating because we need uh, somebody who will also observing of course we cannot just do it for ourselves but this is something else and uh, once when we are creating something and it's done Immediately, it's observed, it's, it's judgeable, and it's 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 already it's on some system of if it's somebody is interested in it or not. Mm-hmm. So, 
And thinking about all of this, uh, I was really uh, looking for my own way, how I need to be free in some way, uh, but be still creative what I need, because of course, uh, after the experience in Zbigniew Libera studio, when he was really done, uh, no, looking, no, he was not pushing me, nobody was pushing me, even in the being a student, nobody was actually uh, asking me for any piece of art. Uh, but in the time I was really sure that I need to do, uh, just as, as I'm briefing, so I need to create something to really more know what I am, uh, what the things, what, what are the things around me is about somehow this, to describe the things because I uh, I was also thinking to be somebody else I was thinking about some another uh, you know to be doctor or maybe to be also a psychiatrist or even I was thinking to be actor but in the end I was totally sure that uh, uh, the visual communication is the most strong field which is most closely to me okay <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sort of just like you, you. You keep talking about so many things, and I just keep letting you go because, mm. like, you you have this like uh, way of just sort of like tying together so many different ideas that I'm mm. I'm trying to keep up and and continue to have better questions after yeah, <laughs> you're done. <laughs> I'm not sure. Anyways, so just coming back to the conceptual uh, question. Yeah. Well, so I think when I was also in Cooper Union, it was kind of very surprising moment that all the students, you know, twenty years old, was they were so knowledgeable about the conceptual uh, period in the US. And so it, somehow I was very surprised how they how they also understand the conceptual art as a kind of national art, or not national art, and they are kind of proud of it. Because in the European context or the East European context, it was still something a little bit more as underground way of creating. Because in the 70s and 90s were, uh, you know, Yerzy Kovanda, all these guys were creating that uh, things, but they were not really visible in that moment. Yeah. When I was in school, we were, I remember German and and uh, Scandinavian as being deeply conceptual. Like we looked mm. to them okay, as deeply conceptual work okay. mm -hmm. back in the United from the United States. Mm -hmm. I don't remember. I mean, but I, I was in a new genre arts program in my master's degree, so it was it was very conceptual in and of itself. So they were looking, trying to look even more conceptually in some way. Mm. Um, but I, I've always found it difficult to like. I come from a background of like object-based creation of arts, you know, photographer kind of thing. So like that's my sort of background. So like I'm I'm always wondering like as a conceptual artist, how do you how do you do, do you like do you do it like Christo? Like do you make prints or make objects to sell those to be able to fund other projects that are de much more conceptual and potentially not going to like bring you any financial gain or anything like that or or more theoretically like you, you make an object that you can sell so that you can fund a project that will give you more prestige kind of thing like so you do your big pieces your masterful pieces uh, funded by other things like basically how do you juggle it all as far as financial needs and financial obligations do you do grants do you do residencies what what's your methodology for uh, financially supporting this mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so definitely the moment of how to earn the money was all the time very present during my study and it's present in everybody's sure. daily life sure 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 but i was really i was really not very sure what i can do you know for for like you know living money and very quickly after the graduating my master 
the people just ask me if I can do some some classes or some workshops uh, about the public space and so on. So very quickly I start to be independent in uh, in, in the question of money, uh, you know, in very like you know low 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 uh, level. But somehow it was the way how I was also changing my conceptual thinking uh, and transforming to the classes on workshops and so on. So uh, teaching as a teaching, yeah, yeah as okay. a teacher. So uh, but it was not already on uh, you know the university, but I start do kind of with some. Um, you know, in several projects I was just doing as a freelancer, some workshops. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it was just nice. And uh, so, and in this case, I was still very free in the way of what I'm creating. So I was not really still pushing myself to do uh, sellable objects. And so, and as you saw my works, it's a lot of like, you know, stage moments that it's very important, the space, how I'm putting the, uh, you know, things together. And also this performative aspect is very important to make the thing somehow alive or in some situation. But as we already talked, the medium which is still linked to me is the drawing. So this is the physical uh, thing, which uh, it's, you know, uh, it's kind of reminds after the process of uh, even doing the animation, you have the the, the drawing. But uh, of course, in the situation in Czech Republic art business, it's not so much possible to sell anything what is not canvas. So if you don't have a canvas, then you are a little bit out of business. Of course, you can, you know, try to sell a photography. Even the photography is not really welcome at all. So and the drawing is even lower. So and talking about the, I know the uh, documentary pictures from the performance is even joke. Yeah, but you know, looking. <laughs> That's sad. Yeah, but looking to the Poland, they even have the uh, way how they can sell it. The performance they have just designed it up that you you buying the performance of some of some artists yeah so they, they are even they are even far far than you know we can think that it's possible to sell something it's very solid of you sort of like yeah. just writing instructions yeah, and then yeah. it just gets paid all the right instruction or just you know do agreement that in uh, when you agree on some time the artist will come and do the performance because you are the owner of the performance interesting yeah, yeah. So uh, it's it's a very kind of philosophical aspect what we are believing in and what we are able to give money in. Yeah, what if we really looking for something what is touchable, and what we can hang in our you know uh, dining room, or if we are just supporting something what is just fascinating us and it's not even touchable. Yeah, so this is like you know thinking very you know in the sky, but in my daily practice, I. Even for myself, it's nice to adduce some of the work to have some something which are, let's say, uh, physically present. Uh, but it's mainly photography and uh, the documentary of the, the, the action as the photography and then the drawings. And objects are mainly some constructions, mainly some uh, parts which they need to be, uh, you know, uh, put together and they, they, then they are quite huge. <laughs> so they need a space and it, they are not really the objects for which you can put in your in your uh, flat. So but it depends of course, on the size of your flat. Yeah, it's, yes, it's a question of the size for sure. <laughs> but during the days, uh, I can tell you that I feel a pleasure if somebody having my work in his private place. Oh yeah. Because I can feel it that it's somehow the new life or the continuation of the work that the, the because if you and you can know it that very well that if you have something 
all the day on your eyes you getting yourself you putting yourself in and back and there is kind of relationship which is very attract even uh, attractive even for a creator you know oh, to yeah. know that you know, my work is there and somebody is living with that so i have to tell you that during my you know uh, life i decided that that it's actually great to even give uh, give a gift <laughs> oh yeah I've, to al- somebody. i've often told people like you know coming to art openings is nice saying nice exhibition is nice getting a nice review and a, a credit by a critic or anything it's all nice but to me the most flattering thing that anybody could do is actually put their money where their mouth is and mm. like buy some art and have it in their home i don't even care if they tell me or talk to me but if somebody actually buys it that means more to me than any other feedback i could get because mm. that person was willing to put the you know spend the money purchase a thing theoretically i don't even know you know maybe put it in their home in some prestigious place maybe put it in their bathroom i'm not sure but that they want to live with it and they want to experience it and they want to have it as part of their their family's lives from mm. here forward kind of thing that uh, is the most important thing for me like that's the thing i want i want people to want to live with my art to experience it every day and to see more and more in it every time they experience it to me it's kind of important to engage with the the i'm not going to say buyer but the like uh, the the public the, the, that they should want something i mean i'm i come from again it's sort of the background of Uh, I still want my art to be beautiful in some way, aesthetically. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be like iconically beautiful or anything like that, but like aesthetically beautiful. And like a lot of times I find that conceptual artists, and so I'm not saying you, but conceptual artists oftentimes don't concern themselves as much about the aesthetics because they're so concerned about the concept. And, and I mean, how does that work out these days? Because like, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of art throughout my life that is not pretty even or beautiful or even aesthetically pleasing But yet they seem to still, they seem to do well. It seems to continue to be made. What, why is, how does that continue happening? This is actually a kind of big question, but I think that uh, it's about the touching. If, if some work is touching and it's again, it's social thing. If you meet somebody, you like him or not. And somebody is uh, coming to same person and having different, uh, you know, feelings. So uh, it's the same with art that you have some piece and it's, you know, understand with thousand perspective. And of course, there is this line of artist hierarchy that if you already have some name, then the the work is somehow understood because of your name and somebody is already putting your, your, your the grits on you. So uh, yeah. that's why I'm all the time using that word is, you know, social game. But uh, I still believe in this pure, uh, you know, relationship between the, the work and the observer. Uh, and I think uh, there is one very beautiful sentence by uh, by Kokolia. He is also professor in our academy. He's saying uh, that the uh, artwork is actually food. It's food. That if you are seeing it, you eating the, the the work, and you have, you know, after that you are f- more full than before. Yeah, food for the soul. Yeah, food for for the soul. So it's a very simple relationship, and. This relationship can be uh, visible. Of course, we are in visual field, but I believe also in moment that you can get a lot of uh, you know a uh, lot of of everything just by having the words of the work. For example, I uh, was very 
in touch with my sister also for distance because she's living in New York and we were just talking about the art and we were just describing what we saw and even this description was so you know feeling me and for example after several years I saw that work physically and I was you know so disappointed so even just talking about art can be somehow more than the art itself so yeah. this is also well, the you're, you're getting the interpretation, interpretation of the person who viewed it and then their filter exactly. of sort of their description oh yeah I, it's like i hate it when people always tell me like oh you should read this book this book is so great mm. but it's it, it it was great for them yes. and all and almost never has anybody ever recommended mm. a book mm. to me that i actually loved 99% of the time exactly. when I find a book, it's because I, I found it through some, like, I find a quote, I get find an author's name, and then I find a book and kind of thing. But, like, almost always when somebody says, oh, you should read this book, you'll love it, I don't love it. And then a lot of times I feel the same way about art. Like, when people tell me, oh, you're going to love this. Like, there were some recent exhibitions that I've been seeing around town that people keep telling me, like, oh, you should go see this. It's so great. And I go see it, and I'm like, oh, why did you think it was great, A, and B, why did you think I would think it was great? Because it's completely not my style at all or nothing of my interest. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, that, but, but, like, that kind of thing, like, relationships between people and the, and the communications and all this kind of stuff, I'm finding more and more the more people I talk to, the art world is all about relationships. So, like, you currently do, you have a gallery that represents you. Not in these days. I had already two. You have. I already had. But uh, I have to tell you that even without them, I don't feel that I do anything else. Yeah, that it was the relationship between me and gallerist were somehow fine, nice. But uh, all the stuff which I'm doing for myself or doing the exhibition, I'm doing still uh, for my own. Actually, I'm doing the same job. So I really don't get so much uh, some help from their side, if you can understand. I do. So the galleries were not adding anything yeah, to your yeah, yeah. your portfolio that which I, of that which I met actually. Yeah. yeah. But I still still looking for some a good relationship which will really uh, will be close, and I really need somebody who will also think with me what what will be the good new direction. Mm. And uh, in the question of selling, I'm still not pushing myself in this way. I'm very open. I'm not really having any trouble with that. But it's still not still my best wishes just to sell, sell, sell. So I I just would like to tell one thing that I believe that, you know, the history is still kind of repeating. But the history of art is very, I think it's in some, it's still progressing. It's doing still new things, I think, I believe. Yeah. So even the conceptual thing and also that you don't have to create a classical way of the art. You are free. So... It, it's a gift from past. Oh, we should all be looking to the past, be knowledgeable yeah. of the past, be skillful of the past, so. but then build on it, add something to it. Uh, one of my professors said something when I was in grad school that I, I, to this day I quote it all the time, which is every contemporary artist should be adding to the vernacular of the medium. Mm-hmm. And I love that idea. Like, mm-hmm. the, like no matter what you're making, no matter what medium you're working in, you should be adding to the vernacular. So not just repeating it, not just homaging it, but actually... You know, like I think of it as like you, you, you take all the knowledge you have from the history and the experiences and even contemporaries, your peers, and then you filter it through your own individual, authentic uh, sort of creative mind and create something that stands on the shoulders of those greats that came before you and you give something else to it. You build on it. You know, So use the foundation of art history, but then add something uniquely contemporary to it. 
Now, what that is and how you can find that is one of the, those hard things, those nearly impossible things that we all strive to find. When looking at the your life, you have a beautiful studio here, and we're we're recording in your studio today. It, it's gorgeous, and it's uh, you know it's very spacious, much bigger than mine. <laughs> um, but the the thing that I always wonder about is like how do people basically uh, maintain their artistic practice it, 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 when those times come when you can't sell, you can't for whatever reason you don't have the money that you're not selling, you're not getting the grants, you're not getting the other things that would hopefully would give you some sustainable income continuously, which is what you know that sense of security is what we all desire, but almost none of us ever have. So. What kind of sort of what is commonly called now like a side hustle? Like what other jobs do you have to do to be able to sustain the the, the passion and the, the ability to do your passion? I already mentioned like this uh, very surprising moment that I was asked to do a workshop and then like the, the teaching. So all this and other works just came to me. So I'm very glad for that. And it's just great that... Uh, after doing a workshops about the public uh, space and our architecture, I was also asked to do stage design for a movie by uh, which, which was made by Petr Václav and was very 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 super experienced. Just I was just asked to do a you know big movie as a stage Out of designer. Out studios? Uh, no, no, it was in Ostrava, so we were setting up the real, uh, you know, places just for the movie, so it was just small changes. It was not really the building up new, uh, you know, buildings or uh, rooms. Right, so, so not a set design, but more like a decorating a location. Yeah, like, you know, kind of set up, I'd yeah. say. And also, the, the reason why I was asked uh, to do it was because of one artist and she recommended me, and actually the moment that they were looking for somebody who is not the film architect, but who is some somebody who is who can think conceptually, actually. Yeah, so here we are. It yeah. all comes back. Yeah, yeah. So and actually, I was working a lot conceptually because uh, that uh, director was he took me to the places where he was actually finding the characters because it was like based on true stories. So I was just re like remaking the, the real places in opposite side of Czech Republic, very precisely the, the frames, the pictures. So it was very conceptual work of kind of a reconstruction uh, life places of the characters. And after that, uh, I was doing more and more movies. All the time they were kind of live documentary. So uh, still uh, my work was more observing and small changing which are somehow uh, linked to the story and uh, I start to learn myself to work with the empty space that if you would like to, to create empty space of somebody who is poor who doesn't have enough money to you know even set up his, his flat yeah. if you will just leave it the room empty it will be not empty at all but if you will put just very badly one frame or just one flower, it becomes super empty. Yeah. So, and what I really love is the composition to to the camera. If you're standing behind with uh, the cameraman and with the director, it's such a beautiful moment that you set up all these uh, things 3D, you know. But then you have to again put it just 2D into the frame, and you're creating this 
fake composition, which actually is the most important. If you just put it a little bit left, a little bit right, it's very has some meaning even in in the all frame composition. Yeah, we re- refer to it as cheating for the camera. Yeah, you know, because yeah, yeah. in the end, you like you could you could you could design a room three dimensionally that looks stunning, but then mm. when you flatten it out to two dimensions, yeah. it, it, it doesn't translate perfectly and sometimes mm. you have to cheat things you have to like turn things so that the angles look right and the depth is correct and the play the alignment of a subject in the foreground or something in the background is optically correct through the lens exactly. of the camera yeah. kind of thing. and i really love and i can also tell you that i'm doing in my own work that i really love this moment of creating like this moment of something what not what is not real but is somehow alive the creating of fiction and I really love the things behind this wooden construction, the lights, and everything. What make the things happened? So, several years back, I also had the opportunity to really go to Czech TV and build it up. Uh, you know the rooms and do all this classical, you know, uh, you know uh, stuff of you know film architect. So it was also you know to thinking what will be behind the window, how to do the view, uh, the wind, and all the stuff which are you know normal, but how to making you know natural in the studio. So all the things are really still like really uh, you know make me very uh, curious, and I really love to you know try to handle it out. And I've, I never ever uh, study you know the, the film industry or any film school, but. It was just nice that I really had the chance to learn it during the process. The more I'm listening to what you're talking about, the more I, I keep thinking about some previous conversations that I've had you know, in my life. But recently I've been having conversations about the group of people that you surround yourself with, your support network, your peers, your friends, your whatever you want to call them is incredibly important. And the people that I find that are oftentimes in the creative industries more successful or more um, I mean, successful is probably a bad word for it, but more well let's just go with successful as a simple word for it but like are more successful are people who simply actually stay somewhere who who have a strong foundation you started here in Prague you've generally stayed here in Prague sure you've done some study abroads and, and you've traveled a little bit here and there but but your core foundation and your core group of supporters and and network of peers and friends and everything You've stayed pretty much uh, using Prague as a home base and you've continually returned to them. And they, in turn, have supported you by giving you these opportunities to do these better things. I mean, I'm sure if we went back and asked, how did you get that armory show? It's probably a similar story of like some friend that you had that somehow got you that connection to do this. This is something that like a lot of artists don't think about. I probably, and I, and I think I've even mentioned this before on the podcast, but I made the mistake of traveling a lot, moving a lot, continually changing. I mean, I I, I lived in Washington, D.C., Iowa, San Francisco, North Carolina, Ohio, traveled to Belize and London and the United Arab Emirates, and now I'm in Prague. And and I didn't build that support network. And I think that that is something that artists need to think about when they're when they're doing their, they're like making the choice their life choices about where to live and what to do is that sometimes staying where you are and and continually building these relationships is the most important thing or at least substantially more important than it is necessarily to move and try something new or different and maybe i you know like i'm sort of thinking like i'm listening to you you're 35 years old and you've done very prestigious things things that i like i haven't even done it for and i'm 45 years old 
and I'm a little envious, I have to admit. Like, I mean, you've you've built a great little support network for yourself that I can't seem to figure out how to do for myself. And and I wonder, like, you know, do you see that about yourself? Do you do you recognize that you have this? Maybe I was not really thinking that it's so unusual. Maybe it's not. Maybe I'm the odd man out. <laughs> Maybe I'm weird for, for having moved so much. I don't know. Let me just tell you one beautiful thing. I was talking with uh, Karel Cisar. Uh, he's very respect, a full theoretician, a Czech theoretician. And he was just telling me one very thing, uh, important thing which stuck in my mind. And he was just telling me that he was asked to uh, wrote some uh, article about some foreign artist. I, mean, I think, I'm not sure. Maybe it was an artist from London. And he decided to himself that he's not able to to, to wrote it, to, to to do it because he he don't understand the all context, the social context of of that artist. Yeah. Yeah, and I find that same problem. Like I'm coming into this market here, mm. and there there's a lot of art that people keep telling me like, oh, this person is so prestigious. Their their work is so this and so that, and I'm just sitting there like, I don't see it. But that's mm-hmm. because I don't understand the context mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. And again, it's sort of like that nature of like the longevity of being in a place and yeah. knowing that yeah. place and its yeah. history and its its in its its movements and its intentions, and participating in that, being part of that. Hmm? is really an important thing for artists to do. And I also believe, to be honest, that one of the of the most important thing, thing we could, which you can get from the education is your surrounding. It's the generation that you are growing up with the people which also decided to be in this field. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the best part of school, grad school for me, was the, the friends you make, the yeah. peers you make. And and I and again I made the same mistake. Like you know, as soon as I finished grad school, I left and went somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Whereas a number of them stayed where they were mm-hmm. and, and continued their careers in that same city, and they've done very well for themselves. And it's just sort of an interesting, interesting issue. I, I can see um, uh, on story of my sister that she uh, she actually entered after being in Switzerland to uh, they entered in the. Art Academy in, uh, in New York, what was the name of it? Uh, I forgot. Anyway, so they already they graduated art school in New York. Yeah. yeah. So they already had some social background. But even though they they, they, they stay in, in the kind of empty social moment for even 11 years. And after that, I think that now they are there 15 years and they ha- have already the social background. They can, they have the opportunity now. But there was the moment of being courage and not really being frustrated. And, and it's, we already talked about the you know, atmosphere in New York is super competitive. Oh, so yeah. even though I am very proud on them, uh, they are doing the art projects together with her husband. So they are actually two on that. So two artists living two in artists, New York. Yeah, yeah, wow. doing like art couple, I'd say. So they even decided to do uh, like do uh, the, the project together to be in even more compatible and more stronger and you know use all the power just you know for that yourself. So I was actually observing them for for uses. I was really saying, wow, they don't they don't have so much you know opportunity, but they stayed and they created. 
uh, by just you know natural way of being you know talking and so on and now they have because they they they're doing a lot of let's say ecological projects so they found the uh, you know uh, the bubble of the people which they really also interest in that yeah and now they are they they, they do uh, residency works and they finding the money for that uh, and so on they even so solid some of the pieces so somehow they are in the position where they wish to be but it's they need need the time if you settled yourself to another new place you have to uh, be patient yeah it see i mean it takes you know 10 15 years to yeah, really yeah, yeah. be integrated mm. in in a, in a in a core element of a, a community yeah, yeah, yeah. i can even so uh, i observing time to time on a facebook that somebody you know lose the job uh, you know um, Art, art friends and they are just you know writing down on facebook don't anybody have some job so i can see the social structure and if somebody asks me if i can offer some job i deeply thinking if i can help so i think this is also nice thing in the context of czech republic or the prague that i can feel can feel some solidarity even in searching for jobs or opportunity how to survive Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah, that side hustle though, the 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 need for those extra little job here, little job there yeah, to make yeah, a little yeah. bit of money, make yeah, ends meet. Yeah, yeah. And we're definitely living in time of global and local. Yeah, it's very like you know uh, yin and yang. So you mm. can uh, live very locally, also according the food. You can uh, live very globally. You can have uh, you know sushi and uh, Chinese food. You know uh, Indian food. Even if you, you don't would like to, but they are here. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. I love I love sushi. I love yeah, su- I do, su- sashimi, I do. and and, yeah. it, and we live in a landlocked country, so yeah. that is not local at all. Yeah. So and this is also kind of tradition. You you like that? You like the sushi, but opposite side, you would like to you know. Uh, eat the food which are local so you can and this is the thing in the, the same thing i think in the art world so you can really have this all this international art gallery uh, hang on the web or you can really also make yourself uh, you know uh, virtually uh, mm-hmm. and you can even apply yourself on Yiddish, even all my application which they were made not by the uh, personal relationship didn't succeed it all the time you will need to know somebody uh, just you know by face yeah i've been saying this for years yeah. because well like because i'm i've always been i've applied for grants here and there and i've applied for residencies here and there and they never work mm-hmm. like if you just blindly apply for these things they yeah. almost never work but if you just even have met like you don't even have to know them you don't have to go for drinks with them or whatever but if you've mm. met somebody mm. and they can put a face to your to the name on the application somehow it's you have exponentially better chance of getting that grant or yeah. or, or residency or whatever it is <laughs> it's it's difficult because a lot of artists and I mean, and I'm as guilty of this as anybody else i if i have free time i want to spend it in the studio i don't want to spend it out socializing Like I mean, like you know, art openings and stuff like that. Now I do it because I know I'm aware that it's an aspect of the job that is necessary. But if I had a choice, like if somebody said, "Hey, you want to go in your studio and like finish this piece that you've been working on for a month, or do you want to go to an art opening?" I don't want to go to the studio. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'd rather, you know, again, going back to like we're all selfish. Like, yeah. and and it's very hard to give up the time to. The time that we devote to making our thing that we're passionate about mm-hmm. to go out and do publicity, I mean, and I found I'm, I'm being very hypocritical of this because right now you're being kind enough to give up your hours of your studio time to basically publicize yourself doing by doing this podcast. So 
it, it's it's a difficult balance that we have to we we're forced to ride like there are jobs that like they don't have to do any social whatever they just go they show up at 9 a.m they do their job they leave at five they don't have to be social they don't have to do anything but the arts and the creative industry we have to be social like it is it is an, an obligation almost of being part of this again sort of community instead of relationships that we have to go out and build these communities we have to know these people we have to support these people like you're saying on facebook like help them out when they're in trouble they'll turn around and help mm-hmm. us out mm-hmm. and that that's a very it feels like it's a very unique thing in the creative industries that makes our job maybe a little bit more fun but on the other hand it's also makes our job almost more of a, a lifestyle mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah when I enter the first day in our academy, the head of the academy in the time, Yeri Kotarik, was just telling to 100 people in their first day, just three of you will survive. I've heard the same quote before. When I showed up for my first undergraduate, it was just a college. It wasn't even an art school or anything. I showed up, my, my person said, uh, look to your left, look to your right. One of you will be married to the other. Okay, because <laughs> that school was all about, like everybody got married. Yeah, yeah. It was, and I was it, just it like, was true actually. And I, it was true statistically. <laughs> it, it, you know, it was it was basically one in three yeah. people at the school will marry somebody else mm. from the school before they, you know, for, after graduation, whatever. And and the moment they said one of you, one out of the three of you all will be married, and I was just like, I'm out. Like I, this is not the school for me. Mm. So soon after, got kicked out and left mm. and whatever. So yeah, but yeah, I mean, it, there's the old statistics about about uh, success that comes with. They they say like ninety percent of the people stop making art within five years of graduating from mm-hmm. school. Of them, mm-hmm. only like one percent is going to be. A, a household name and the, or no sorry one percent is going to be successful enough to like sustain themselves financially mm, mm, mm. by their art and then of the that only one percent will become like a household name yeah those are really daunting odds why do we why do we put up with this why do we say like oh you know what this thing that's basically a one in a billion chance yeah that's what i want to do it's, you know, it's challenging, and uh, I think the most important thing is to just stay yourself, find yourself in that, not really push yourself in the moment which you don't would like to do, even in a social moment, be just, you know, as you are, and I really love to talk with the people, I really love to, you know, uh, to hear the story, to, to be, to be uh, you know, in some moment of uh, community or be part of community, even if I'm now a little bit more uh, hide because of the family. But all of us have to find the way how to be artists or to do uh, to create the thing which you need and also to have the practical life. And there is so much way how to do it. Uh, so you can also, you know, and the most important to do in, in the set which you feel that it makes you happy, yeah? That, of course, some of the people really love to, you know, chat and do the, the social contacts every day more than be in studio, opposite as you. Somebody will really love to be just hide. And I, I know all these stories from, you know, all my friends, so each of them having different, you know, uh, uh, way of, of behavior, you know, how they are. Okay. This different is totally correct. This yeah, is totally really correct. Good. But uh, I think the, uh, the, the art, uh, art, 
space <laughs> is uh, you know broad enough uh, to for all of us i think but of course the frustration and all these uh, these things are part of it yeah you really not happy with the way how the things happen around you and you thinking how to change it but it's the same if you are actor or if you're musician i also have the story from this side of fields so it's kind of equal and i think it's it's much it's, it's important to if you have some you know frustration or bad moments you have to you know find a way how to go out of it and of course some things um, can be changed this is also beauty of creation and mainly the creation of making something visual because we don't have to feel uh, wait for grants i'm talking a lot with the uh, directors the movie directors and they are so frustrated they they can they can shoot it because they're waiting for money but we as the you know a visual artist we can do the things just by the pencil and we uh, we have the you know we succeeded we well, you doing can. something i can't draw to save my life <laughs> try it I'm, I'm, I'm horrible at drawing <laughs> try it no i'm just talking about the budget or things which we need to uh to do our job actually yeah it, it's an interesting balance like i mean uh, here in the czech republic i've seen a lot more found art working like there seems to be a lot of um creation artwork that's made with basically whatever's available mm. versus like uh, you know i just came from the united arab emirates where it was the best of the best you know most expensive materials ever they you know and working on grand scales because they have huge studios uh, and huge exhibition spaces so you know flipping to here where it, it literally like i see a lot of art that's oftentimes not even using art materials you know they'll they'll use their own trash or they'll mm -hmm. use things that they find on the street and they'll incorporate it into their works so like the budget and the scale of the work is very different here than in a lot of places mm -hmm. and it, it's an interesting issue is like how do you get a bigger budget like because we all want to make bigger work we, you know physically larger or conceptually larger we want to make bigger work so it's, how do you find that budget? Like, do you apply for grants? Do you apply for, do you do residencies? Have you ever done a residency? I did already do of them. Yeah. Uh, both of them very uh, super f uh, fruitful, let's say. One was in Poland, in Bytom, and by the Krakow. And it was just such a strong moment of thinking about the Slavic nation and uh, the collective history and so on. So it was just three months of very deep thinking and I uh, that's actually one one movie video movie just talking about that also the moment of heroic history or just you know if it's heroic or, or comic <laughs> so so and uh, then I uh, before I was in Palestine oh. and it was really changing my mind a lot in Ramallah so Palestine in West Banks and uh, I knew that when I was uh, when I will come back uh, I have to go through the Tel Aviv airport and I was not really stepping uh, myself to Israeli side I was all the time for three months in the Palestinian West Banks and they were telling me be careful they will ask you on your place where you were visiting and you have to prepare it. So I prepare a fake diary. I draw uh, the markets and places via Google. <laughs> and I was actually asked on the airport where I was, and I was just observing, I was just showing the pictures, the oh, fake yeah. pictures, and I succeeded and they just let me, you know, go out. So grants, have you done any grants? grants? Yeah, sure. Uh, Give me some tricks on grants. Like, I mean, I, as well as I'm sure many, everybody who's listening is always like, 
what's the trick to writing a successful brand? Yeah, interesting, Dave, even the kind of way, uh, not saying so politely that you are a gr- uh, granting artist, that you are just, you know, getting ma- money from the grant. I have to be honest, I never apply myself for any grants. So again, it was all the time that I was, you know, involved in some pro- uh, program or project which already had a grant. So, okay, but that's an interesting thing. We, I think we talked about this at, the, yes. at our first meeting. You you were uh, engaged with or, or in business with a, a gallery, let's say, and the gallery got a grant somehow. And then because you were working with that gallery, you were able to then get money from that. So, I mean, that's that doesn't happen very often. That's a very unique thing to Europe, I think, because I've never heard of such things, except for maybe some nonprofit spaces in the United States. But but generally, it's all planned in the beginning. It's not. It's not. Oh, we got a grant. Now we just need to give it out. But you know, what's your project? So you were able to get the, these funds and and no, produce really, works, right? It's really working like that. That you can have, you know, the national gallery or uh, city gallery, and they have the, the budget, and you ask to be, uh, you know, in the exhibition. Can do a new work if it's the you can also do a new work for free or you can get some money for the production but this is all, all the time very individual and it's not the one way how it's made it so uh, I, i'm laughing quietly while you're saying this because you're just you're just sitting here going like oh well you just get money from the city or the municipality or the government yeah that does not happen in other countries mm-hmm. you are very unique yeah it, it, with the amount of financial mm-hmm. and and physical support like i, I know of people being able to get studios from the municipality uh, you know at lower rent and things like this like this is very unique here in Prague like and, and I'm not sure like a lot of people in Prague don't seem to realize just how mm-hmm. good they have it mm-hmm. like that's a very special I thing. can agree for example I had one experience in Chelsea I was part of the exhibition and in gallery of mixed green it already doesn't exist and it was four years back and and in that experience, I was really thinking I never would like to be uh, in studying here again because it was just so unpleasant, uh, you know, condition. Yeah. So if you would like to do, uh, you know, to paint, just go to the, you know, Canal Street and buy the color f- for your own. We don't have, you know, it was the professional commercial gallery. And so I never had so bad experience with gallery. Uh, never ever before, as in New York. So, well, but that gallery doesn't exist anymore, so yeah, they may not have been on the total up and up. But in the time, it was kind of progressive. Uh, you know, it was recommended and so on. So I'm just talking about not just about money, but also again the the, the personality, the people which you are working with, and even if you have the people which didn't just pay very low level, they can, you know, they can be, you know, they can find their self, you know, involved and they can help you. So all my experience with the with the gallerists and gallery, it's just nice. I have to tell you that I really love to work with the employers of, of the galleries because they can be, you know, they are just handle guys and just, they, of course, sometimes can be, you know, difficult, but it's again, just about the social way, how you deal with them. And so... I can agree. It's kind of special condition which we have here. Even the local small galleries somehow getting fresh, uh, you know, curators, and they trying to really refresh the system. And uh, there was also the talking about the uh, the payment for the artist. That before it was just you know you have to be just happy that you can exhibit, but we don't pay you any any anything. 
even you are something what 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 do you are exhibiting but everybody around you is paid but not you but there was also kind of uh, you know struggle and discussion and now it's it started to be more uh, you know common that if when you are asked to exhibit you are getting some fee uh, just because you you know spending the time to shape and communicate and so on it's just symbolic money but even though it's already happened the way huh the the, the municipal so you're saying the municipality like when no, they have a i mean the galleries the gallery right. the, so the, like the, if i'm to participate in a group exhibition yeah then that gallery is going to pay me yeah. basically for my let's just call it travel time and whatever yeah, 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 for, yeah. for the mm-hmm. to bring the piece there and that's not that's irrelevant of whether it sells or not it's just basically paying for my time yeah. that is magnificent one of the things that a lot of artists always complain about is is that people take advantage of us mm-hmm. like all the time they're oh oh you're just an artist you you have time you can just can you just have something laying around your studio can you bring it to us like you know why do they think that we just have like that, that our time can be wasted it sounds like a magnificent thing that the, the, the somebody's paying for, at least starting to, even if it's a nominal gesture, paying for the amount of time we put are putting into it, even just delivering work. And it also depends a lot about the curator, that the curator decided also according to the budget that even the small amount is going to be uh, a fee. Uh, it's just nice to even have the gesture, though. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. Because that doesn't exist very often. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of it before. You're the first yeah. person to tell me yeah. this. Yeah. Coming to towards the end of this here, is there any last uh, little tidbits you want to throw out? Anything that you feel like you want to talk about while you still have an opportunity here? Well, you know, we were talking about a lot of things. Uh, I Just one thing. Uh, after the graduating... I was maybe frustrated a little bit to do more small exhibitions. And in these days, I'm very grateful when, when you have more time and spending more time by preparing and when the exhibition can be a little bit, you know, bigger in, in meaning of idea or even the production. And you have really time to prepare something, even if when you have time just to do the things, not just for exhibition. And but I think now it's, after that it's very feelable from uh, from what you see on the exhibition. If it was really long process or but of course even just fresh super fast thing can be nice. But uh, I start to really have the exhibition as a celebration. That I'm really looking forward to have. Of course the opening is also somehow socially uh, tiring. But the, the moment that you can do and prepare the things, it's very really small celebration for me. So I also wish to have it, you know, collectively that uh, each of the exhibition is kind of small celebration of possibilities, of freedom, of also the, you know, uh, communication and so on. So, you know, come down time to time, not be just, just so much hurry up, don't have all the time SMS and Google and Facebook in your brain <laughs> and just enjoy the moment that you really can share uh, what you're thinking about and also what you create. Uh. Well, but it also sounds like what you're also saying is, is as, a, as an artist, instead of trying to sort of, let, we'll call it like pad your CV and, and have lots of exhibitions, mm. that your methodology, the, the sort of the, the, the realization you've come to for yourself and basically sort of your recommendation others is uh, at this point is to um, have less exhibitions higher quality more elaborate more whatever you want to put to it uh, rather than a 
bunch of smaller exhibitions you think it's a better use of your time but this is definitely also the question of in which time you are in which moment of your career you are uh, on beginning is it i mean really i mean wouldn't even as a young artist wouldn't it be more beneficial to have fewer better exhibitions than mass it small? used to be more common that even the possibilities were not so abroad to exhibit so much but as already as you mentioned the Czech art community even in uh, the millennium times uh, we, we had so much non-profit galleries so it was so much uh, possibilities to do an exhibit but uh, in uh, in the moment of uh, the institutions uh, career there is not so much places where to uh, you know how to step it higher or somewhere uh, so it's not so much hurry anywhere <laughs> and uh, but on the other hand definitely it's nice to exhibit just for uh, friends let's say but uh, what is also important I believe that we will making more in progress uh, to make the things more publicly and also according to PR and so on to put the uh, you know to, to work in the contact with the ordinary uh, you know public and this is what uh, what the institution can do and definitely I can see that on the position important position are no now now more younger people which even thinking about that so I'm still very positive in this future that the institution is very open where really do a thing which can be also uh, pop up popular together with more complicated things and I can believe that for example National Gallery now they have a trouble as usual but uh, even though I can feel some progress in the moment to be open, understandable and really put the even contemporary art to the public. Okay, which leads me to an interesting question because you talked about like the younger generation and how things are slightly different now. The internet, social media, has it helped you, hurt you? Do you like it? Do you hate it? Do you even participate on it? I've seen you. Yeah, we're friends on Facebook. We are friends. But like, so, you know, let's take like Instagram because that's the most popular one for visual artists. Do you use it? Do you like it? Has it had any direct benefits? Have mm. you actually like gotten something from it? Because I find you spend tons of time on it. I mean, you do it for your own social person your, or your own personal reasons. You're like, ooh, that's pretty. But then you also do it for some professional reasons. And sometimes you, you try to connect. But like how often or, or how much time and energy do you put into social media and how much benefit have you, do you feel like you've received from it? I don't get Twitter, Facebook, whatever mm -hmm. social media you mm -hmm. use. I set up my website 2010 and it's still same design. So it's very simple design. Somehow this moment that you have a project and they are somehow alive in this virtual, virtual uh, space each it's something what is already part of our job, let's say. And I'm time to time said that uh, the people or the, the artists even thinking that it's nice to have an exhibition, but important is to have a nice pictures. But this this is will be what will be after. Yeah, which is uh, more important, the yeah, actual art yeah, or yeah, the yeah. documentation that and goes on the, Instagram. And it's understandable. But it's kind of like danger line, uh, and this is not just uh, according our uh, you know uh, basis, but it's also our normal life that you observe something and just recording because it will be nice picture and you don't you are not in that moment really present. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there have been so, studies all about that, so yeah, showing yeah, that like yeah. when you when you focus your time and attention on taking pictures of something, you don't actually experience. Yes, you're not it. really in. Yeah. yeah, and then you have the experience after 
from 2D, you know, pictures in your mobile or in, on your Facebook or whatever. If you even go back and look at if it. If you so. even go back, yeah, sure. So I'm really sensitive in all these mediums, and I think that will be good to use them as a tools. It doesn't matter if you use the tool for clay or for you know, the brush for your painting. It's just you can put it on the table. You you don't have the you know brush still stuck on in your hand. It's the same with uh, all these presentation or these social media. So of course you can have uh, the company which will help you how to promote yourself, how to be professional. Uh, but on the other hand, it's nice that you can do somehow yourself naturally, time to time. You know, also see. Uh, I use Instagram recently two years let's say and i'm enjoying the moment that it's not about the chatting it's about what uh, really the presentation of the work and so, so you're keeping it as very professional very sort of a almost a portfolio like an ongoing portfolio yeah, yeah, of what yeah, it is yeah, that yeah, you're doing yeah. yeah because you know how they how people are using it is, is very interesting because like i'm hearing of course you know new trends in like how to do use social media for artists you know saying that they want to be more about sort of cult of personality. They want to see the behind the scenes. They want to see the process of making all this kind of stuff instead of just finished product. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. This And this is my continual question. I ask this to everybody I talk to. Like, does social media for all the time, energy and effort and thought and planning and, and, and you know, hemming and hawing of like, should I put this up? Should I not put this up? Do they, you know, does it actually have a benefit mm. for you? Mm. I don't know any concrete story that it's really super helped me. But on the other hand, there is maybe the thing behind the thing which I even uh, know that maybe some happened because of, because of the uh, social media. Uh, but course. it's maybe even it's impossible to, you know, find it out. But for me, it definitely is good very quickly to see what's going on or uh, what is new and so on. So it's me, uh, keeping me uh, updated in some way, even if I can physically be there. In the past, it was just nice to have one article, you know, printed article to read it, what, what is news. Uh, now uh, the printed media is almost none of them. We have flash art and some of these, you know, uh, papers, yeah, uh, which is nice to have it, you know, printed. Uh, but all the things can be also, you know, are now more share, share, shared uh, in in this virtual uh, space. And it's just, you know, incredible that you can have Instagram, you know, observe the MoMA, Guggenheim and together with uh, local small galleries. And you can, uh, you know, very quickly uh, see all these, you know, big, small things well, and all that, together. And, 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 that's, that's and then you have some, you know, some visual uh, and knowledge, which is, you know, never ever, I think, happened before. That you can be... Well, but I mean, is it too much, though? Yeah. Like, that's yeah. the thing. It's like, I mean, are we seeing too much? Because, you know, back in the days, when I was young, I'm 45 years old, so whatever you want to call that. European art was exotic, like mm -hmm. we and, and and it got imported into the United States. Mm -hmm. and we very, knew very little about it. That we mm -hmm. only knew whatever was prestigious enough to somehow have been brought over all the way over to the United States. Mm -hmm. Now I can find out about art everywhere in the world by just typing in some keywords, some mm -hmm. hashtag, whatever. Like, are we seeing too much? Depends. It's about your taste. Yeah, how much you are, you would like to eat it, but. Uh, Going back to 2009, I was really uh, fascinated by one blog, uh, one by one blog called uh, V Work. Was it on GeoCities? 
<laughs> no. It was just a German blog running by one artist and two creators. And they were putting every month one exhibition. And they were just finding the new work presented in the artist's webpage. And they were just putting them by logic of color or some topic. And it was really the work from over the world just making them very recently, two years, one years old. It was just really extremely strong experience to just uh, see what the things thinking about and how they are create how they making the ideas physically and there were so much links you know the, the circles uh, made out of the uh, you know uh, shopping baskets or the I don't know the uh, again the black objects so so much things which, which they were make uh, even on, almost in some year, same year uh, with the same title uh, but made by the artists from opposite side of the world so I start to believe in some kind of connection even without the connection but of course now it's even hard to say it you did it something because you saw it no I didn't uh, how you can declare yeah so of course before uh, several years it was the moment that you just hide yourself somewhere in the mountains and you start to create whatever and you just you know show it to the world now it's kind of mood that you have to already promote yourself during the process you don't have any privacy uh, if you don't if you don't stop it yeah so it's really about your control it's the same with mobiles and everything if you will you know pick up the, uh, the mobile from your uh, pockets or if you will leave it till the evening or till the exact moment that you decided that you will respond on the sms or whatever so this is the, the new aspect i think which is now on us the decisions. Uh, the art, uh, art world is full of decisions. If I will use this or that, and the result is just a combination of all decisions. It's also human life. But I think in the in the art world, in art pieces, it's even much more visible. Yeah, it's physically visible. Mm. Did you use this paper or that paper? And it's same with uh, new medias. Uh, if you feel yourself uh, nice, still. Uh, create your image your uh, social image in social media virtually you can do it but there is still a moment of lose yourself be too much you know, you know public and of course in these days being artist is also to make yourself public make your face public and uh, so so much things and uh, do podcasts yeah and and also this <laughs> and again i think it's a game with the tools sometimes you handle it more sometimes you just lose it that's 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 the life and it's kind of surfing <laughs> on, the, on the possibilities and the freedom is hard and even you can use it something and it's you don't you believe that you have a control but the control is already under the you <laughs> i mean all this you know question of uh who is controlling whom and so on i mean the the, the what is public and what is private uh, how much things you can put on but yeah this is this is the part this is part of it all right just to wrap up with my last questions that i ask everybody what kind of uh, advice would you give to artists to try to try and make their lives have that stability and the sustainability over the length of their career we'll, we'll call it financially like successfully like how do you have any personal advice from experiences failures, successes that you can give to how to give them that sense of security over the longevity of a career. Definitely it's good to find somebody who, who, whom you are trust, 
it's good to work with the people which can really support you and you can support them so that the relationship is somehow equal relationships they keep coming up yeah and after that uh, if you time to time feeling alone that you have you don't do the self your you know the career somehow you're losing it or you don't know how to how to continue then it's good just to see the possibilities maybe change the system uh also yeah as i mentioned the tra- traveling is really like you know kind of fresh air but in myself i'm traveling just for to coming back and if you are coming back then you have maybe new new ideas how to change the things sure so good relationship even in in uh, the progress of career uh if you are really losing the ideas then then change the, the the position <laughs> yeah. no i get it completely yeah <clears throat> my quantifiable question that i ask everybody is one of the goals of uh, the podcast is that i'm going to take the advice of everybody that i talk to about trying to have a piece of my artwork exhibited in the museum of modern art in new york what advice would you give me to do and understand whatever advice you give me i will do it all right so you can make some scandal <laughs> you are not you are not the first person to say that. <laughs> yeah, uh, so uh, of course there is several strategies which I even learn uh, the strategy of shock uh, the strategy of pop art to make something what is common and the strategy of story that you are creating your own story. And uh, I think these three strategies can be somehow combined and it's just uh, and then it's the way the social way how you will realize. So uh, of course, if you already have this wish to be somewhere which is the iconic place, I- I'm just using Museum of Modern Art as my personal sort of yeah. uh, uh, you know, it could be Tate Modern, it could be you know what Bilbao or whatever. It, you know, it's just my representation of mm. iconic large institution mm. that is desirable for most artists mm. to be mm. in, kind mm. of thing. Mm. So mm. you can. So I think you can uh, you know do it from from down or from top. So the top is when you make yourself visible in some way, whatever you will do. Uh, just uh, you know immediately via media or you are just stepping step by step from the social pyramid to the top and believing that you will somehow find the right person so but i also believe on the chance that the things are coming on the right place on the right moment and if you already have this wish and you really work on that even mentally uh, the gates are opening yeah but of, of course it's still i think everything somehow i still believe in some justice of course we were talking that the justice doesn't exist but in some small uh, details i believe in justice so i think if you really truly will, will wish to do this it will help you just this wish of course this is it's a mix of practical things also this mental mental power okay keep going well thank you very much <laughs> I'm really yeah, looking forward to see your exhibition there. I well, I'm I'm starting best. small with just a piece. I don't need a whole exhibition. Just one piece okay. is enough for considering it. Because the idea is is that through the, all the things that uh, listeners might learn through this podcast, through all the things that I'm learning through the interactions of meeting all these great new people through this, this experience of this podcast that I learn enough to learn how the art world works in order to be able to achieve my goal. 
Mm-hmm. And so the idea is that hopefully through the transit of property, people listening would also be able to sort of find their their little little tidbits of knowledge from all the different people that, that I talk to in order to find their path through the arts world. Definitely. It's a brilliant idea. So keep going. And I'm also looking forward to hear it more. Me too. <laughs> well, thank you very much for your time. Thank you too.